Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. Ah, <laughs> uh, hello there. So pleased to see you return once again to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have an interesting item. Not the usual fare you find here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, but in some regards it is. Now this is a collection. We got this out of a, an estate recently. This is a collection of fungus. Not, as I said, the usual items we procure here, but I I believe this is something that is going to pique a lot of interest in the market for oddities these days. If you'll take a look at various petri dishes with various examples of various species of fungus. If you'll notice this one over there, I believe those are cordyceps. And therein lies the interest in this collection as we look at today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at the new HBO series, The Last of Us. So The Last of Us is a new series, the finale came out the season finale came out this past sunday and i had already planned on doing scream uh yesterday and i've, I've already got 65 i'm planning for thursday and i'm like I, i've got to talk about the last of us because i've just loved this and and the the season finale kind of snuck up on me so i'm like damn it we're doing an extra episode uh on this week at an odds bodkins curiosity shop so i i really have enjoyed the last of us and it is a, a franchise, a video game franchise that I'm not terribly familiar with. I've heard of it, but I'm not a gamer. I wish I was. I like video games. I'm just not good at them. And working in radio, I don't make a lot of money, so I can't afford, you know, hundreds of dollars on video game systems, unfortunately. Maybe one day I'd like to play the games. Uh, but I, in watching this, I really kind of looked into the video game and, you know, saw some of the cinematic portions of the video game to see how this video game stacked up against the TV series, or, or better yet, how the TV series stacked up against the video Video games, because that really is the thing these days. When you've got a, a video game adaptation for TV or movies, there is a lot of scrutiny because, generally speaking, the video game in question is a video game that has been very popular. And when you have a, a very popular video game, the fan base that's already built in for that has a lot of expectations and they want to see it done right. And in a lot of cases, a lot of video games turned movie or TV series just haven't cut the mustard when it comes to what the fans really wanted. Case in point, Halo. Uh, I really liked the Halo series, but I never played the video games. Now, it had enough nods to the video games that I was quite satisfied as a viewer. Uh, is it a perfect show? Certainly not, but but I thought it was entertaining and enjoyable and exciting to watch, uh, interesting to watch, but a lot of people who played the Halo video games were not having any of it. <laughs> they did not like that series, which, you know, there again, it's all in what your, what your expectations are and how they're managed. But uh, a lot of people scrutinize the video games that they want to see turned into a series, or, or better yet, they scrutinize the series of the video games that they've wanted turned into a series or a movie because they love their series, uh, the video games so much. And they, they want to be able to have the video ex game experience play out on the on the big screen or the small screen, much like any other, any other adaptation for that matter. I'm a huge Stephen King fan, and when I see a Stephen King adaptation, there are certain expectations I have of the adaptation being true to the source material. And these days, 99.9% .9 of the time, the adaptation is not what I'm expecting because it does not stay true to the source material. So I get where fans can be a little upset when video games aren't adapted the way they would like to see. But 
for the most part, from what I understand of this series, uh, this video game series, The Last of Us, and and the adaptation that they put forth on HBO Max, uh, this seems to be a really damn accurate representation and adaptation from the video game to the series. And that really is part and parcel to the work, I think, of Neil uh, Druckmann, who is the writer and director of the video games, and he is also integral in the creation of the Last of Us TV series. He's one of the writers. He's one of the producers. So he really is very hands-on with this TV series because it is a labor of love for him, I have to imagine, because this is his baby. This is his video game. This is his story, and he wants to see his story told the right way, and hopefully that translates well to the to the core fans of the video game and then the average fans or the lay person, the lay fan out there that is going to be attracted to this series, not because they play the video game, but because it looks interesting and, and holds both audiences captive uh, all at once. And I think he's really done a great job with that. Uh, him and the the other creator, uh, Craig Mazin, I, I think have done a really good job of putting forth a series that is so accurate to the video games, to the point where like you know, costuming is represented uh, as a direct correlation to what the characters wore in the video game, especially with the Ellie character. There are lines of dialogue and and passages of dialogue that are ripped directly from the video game series in this and in scenes that are ripped directly from the video game to this series and and I think it's it's that sort of attention to detail that one keeps the fans really happy the fans of the video games very happy and the compelling stories that this tells is is what keeps the person that comes along and discovers this who never played the video game and and decides hey i want to check this out and that's what really captivates them it's good storytelling at its base when you boil it all down to its essence and the fact that they brought a lot of the voice actors who voiced characters in the video game series the guy that voiced joel uh the the actress that voices ellie uh the actor that voiced tommy uh, they they brought one voice actress in who, who played the exact same character that she played in the video game series. And we'll t talk about that when we get into kind of giving a brief rundown of the episodes and what I thought of some of the episodes and uh, some of the things I liked and, and maybe didn't like. I don't know. There, there's not a, a whole lot I didn't like about this, but, but we'll talk about all that. And so from here on out, I do want to warn you that there are going to be spoilers. I'm not going to be able to talk about The Last of Us, the TV series without talking about it and in talking about it i have to be free to talk about the things that uh, that may be uh, may be considered spoilers so if you haven't watched the last of us go watch it hbo max it's so worth getting hbo just to watch that even if you you dump it after a much after you mainline this season uh go check it out and i, I think you are going to enjoy it if you have watched it uh, then you know keep on we're going to discuss this and talk about some of the things that uh that i enjoyed about this series uh, along the way so right off the bat we're going to talk about the characters really quick and, and there really are two main characters that you have to worry about there's a lot of other characters that come and go throughout the series but none that have the the staying power because your your focus is mainly on these two char characters Joel and Ellie and of course uh two Game of Thrones alumni Pedro Pascal plays Joel he's a he's a middle-aged kind of uh you know he's a he's a guy that works with his hands he's a he's a, a maybe not a tough badass guy but he's a guy that's not afraid to get his hands dirty and not afraid to mix shit up when shit needs mixing and i i really loved his portrayal of joel throughout this because he does have that tough hardened look and that tough cold feel about him but there's also that sensitivity of a father and and as you see in that first episode you have that sensitivity and that empathy of a father who lost a daughter and and pedro pascal does a fantastic job of that. That's, he's such an underrated actor, I think. When when you take a look at the things he's done, and, and the two main things that I've really watched that he's been in, I mean, I've seen a few other things, but as far as, you know, main character, a lot of a lot of screen time, you get him as Oberon Martell 
on Game of Thrones and he plays that opulence and that flamboyance and that just, you know, smooth talking ladies man sort of character and and then to turn around and play this everyman type character that is is tough and not afraid to blow somebody's brains out uh, because they pose a threat. Uh, he plays that aspect of it, but he also plays, like I said, that that caring father, uh, the father who's lost his daughter, and then that caring father figure that he becomes by the time we get to the end of of season one. And a phenomenal job. I really loved him as this character. And not having seen the video games or knowing much about the video games or the character, uh, I didn't know what to expect from this character, but it was a character I really enjoyed. It's a character that I could see would be popular uh, as a hero in a video game. And, and Pedro Pascal really embodies all of that. The other character that is really our main focus is the Ellie character played by Bella Ramsey. And of course, you know her from Game of Thrones as the uh, little bear. And and she it was such a fan favorite on Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, she was this tough-talking little kid that uh, was a rule in the nation and not taking shit from any of the adults. And... And that really translates well to Bella Ramsey playing Ellie because Ellie is a a 14-year-old girl. She's very defiant. She's full of anger. She's got a foul mouth. Uh, She loves shitty puns and and is just uh, a really fun character to watch because she's one of those characters that you don't know what is going to come out of her mouth. At any given point, which is always an interesting character for me. Uh, I like to think that maybe sometimes people wonder that about myself, uh, what might come out of his mouth. Uh, usually it's something foul, much like the Ellie character. But but I like this character because behind all the uh, bombastic uh, badassness that she tries to portray, there really is a broken little girl that she's trying to protect uh you know you talk about the fact that uh, she's been essentially orphaned since she was a baby which we get a reveal in the i'm not sure where it happens in the game but you get that reveal uh in the last episode of season one and she's really had nobody and and like she says to joel at the eh, close to the end of that one episode where they they find tommy and his group uh that you know everybody she's ever known or loved has either died or left her and she just she just doesn't want to be alone and the 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 brokenness of this this young girl that is you know, just trying to survive in this world, just trying to do the right thing to be taken off to somewhere where they can use her, her blood or whatever's going on in her to, to help save the world. And, you know, the weight of the world is on her shoulders and to mix the toughness with that sort of responsibility that she feels. Uh, also, like I said, that the broken aspect of her. And then when you get the the part in the story where she comes across the David character and and taking that brokenness to a whole nother level uh it just she's such a complicated character that I, I just love and then the chemistry between Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal is is phenomenal that that kind of distance between the two of them and then they slowly as they're they're making this track across the country slowly chipping away at each other uh, chipping away at each other's defenses to where at the end you really get Pedro Pascal's Joel feeling like a father figure to Ellie Ellie uh, you know she's she's still a little bit uh, damaged from what happened well not a little bit she's a lot damaged from what happened with David and his group but she's starting to open up and you almost start to get this father-daughter relationship that you've been expecting this whole series. But then that very end, you realize Joel's lying to her and she knows he's lying to her and and how that is going to play out when it's all said and done. I think it's going to be really fun to watch uh, when we get uh, the next season. So we're going to kind of break down some of the episodes that uh, some of the things I liked uh, about all of these episodes. And and really, you get that first episode introduces us to the whole thing. And I really loved the TV uh, news 
interview type show that they had almost like meet the press sort of situation where you have scientists being interviewed like back in the seventies and they're talking about pandemics and what do you have to worry about the flu? No, no, it's, it's fungus, it's cordyceps. And it it just was a really neat way to introduce us to what is going to be the uh, the reason for this zombie apocalypse, so to speak. And, and I thought that was a really creepy way to do it because just the the feel of the, the 70s stage and the, the 70s look of everyone and the way they handled the dialogue and that, the exposition and that, it's all exposition. But when exposition's handled right like this, it just can be creepy and powerful and, and it really set up just how bad things are going to get uh, when this finally does happen. But that's where you meet uh, the Joel character. You meet Tommy, his his younger brother, played by Gabriel Luna, who who does a really good job with the character. We don't get a ton with him, uh, but what you do get, I, I like him. I, I kind of hope we see more of Tommy in season two. You meet Joel's daughter, Sarah, played by Nico Parker, who does a fantastic job of really being like this sweet, this sweet kid. We get to see her throughout her day. She's going to get her dad's watch fix for a birthday present. She's going over to the next door neighbors to help her bake cookies. And and she borrows a DVD, uh, her and her father's favorite movie, so they can watch to celebrate his birthday. And and really quickly, uh, you you feel for this girl. You feel for this daughter. Uh, you you know you you love this daughter. You don't want to see anything bad to her because she's a good kid. She's a good daughter, and and she's a sweetheart. You know she doesn't have to go hang out with the old folks next door, but she does anyway because you know it's the right thing to do. But then when she's over there at that house, and you get that scene with that grandmother where uh, Sarah's picking out a DVD, and you see this grandmother in the background out of focus but you see see her start her head tipped back and her mouth open wide and you see that big black gaping maw of her her mouth uh, hole <laughs> kind of just elongate and and you can tell something's wrong with her and then when she goes back over later and grandma's turned full cordyceps zombie and just the the terror that they created with that when she starts running at her kind of on all fours, very animalistic, uh, just like a rabid animal. Uh, that stuff in that that house at the very beginning was some of the creepiest scenes they had in this season. And, and to really kind of hit you over the head with that right away, uh, the the tension they built, the suspense they built in that that nighttime house scene at the next door neighbors with Sarah and the, the grandmother was just some creepy stuff. And then when the grandmother comes out and Joel uh, wops, well, it was a baseball bat. Uh, it was just, you knew right there in, in that scene right there, what you were in for, you were in for creepy ass zombie mushroom zombies and, and some violence. And that is the bill of sale that you got uh, paid in full right there in this this first episode but then that tragic death of sarah is just it's gut-wrenching it is it's unnerving it it doesn't make you feel because if you know anything about the video game you knew it was coming and, and it doesn't give you the sense that uh anybody could die because like i said there really are only two main characters so yeah anybody can really die um, the only characters that really have any plot armor are the Joel and Ellie characters, but some crazy and, and horrible shit can happen to them too, even if they don't die. Maybe dying is better in some regards in this world. But uh, but the death of Sarah is just so heartbreaking and tragic, and we don't even get to see Joel right after that because it kind of flashes forward 20 years, and the world has gone into full zombie apocalypse mode and we find the whole uh you know quarantine zones have been set up you get that one little wandering kid showing up at the boston quarantine zone it almost felt like that scene in schindler's list with the girl with the red coat where this kid wanders up and they treat him well and then hey we're gonna feed you something and give you some new toys to play with and and they focus on his shoes and then later when Joel is is on body burning detail and we see these shoes on a kid in this truck full of dead people you knew that uh, they just killed him because he was infected and 
it, it, it kind of just watching this kid going through coming to the QZ and, and whatnot just made me feel, uh, it reminded me of that girl with the red coat in the Schindler's List movie. Then that episode ends with Joel killing that guard. Uh, very reminiscent of the way his daughter died. Uh, he didn't do enough to protect his daughter. So Tess and Ellie, uh, to protect them, he did the first thing. He made the first move. He killed the guard without blinking or batting an eyelash. And, and that's how much you see this character has changed over the past 20 years from a guy that's that's not willing to do what it takes to protect his loved ones, essentially, uh, to a guy that is not going to flinch to to kill somebody to protect what he loves. And of course, episode two had probably one of the more intense scenes. I mean, you got really two intense scenes right off the bat. That, that next door neighbor scene in episode one, and then the museum scene with the clickers and that kind of cat and mouse where Joel, Ellie, and Tess are kind of sneaking around trying to evade these clickers who who track by essentially hearing and and that scene my wife she was really on the fence about watching this series with me because she didn't have a good experience with the walking dead i think she liked the walking dead but uh, she she just had uh creepy zombie dreams after she would watch it so she kind of gave up on the walking dead uh, a while back so she wasn't sure she was going to do this but she watched it with me and after that that museum scene with the clickers in episode two, I was pretty sure she was going to stop watching, but she didn't. She was a trooper and ended up watching the rest of the series with me. But that scene was so intense and so creepy. One of my favorite scenes of the series, uh, you know, to this point and probably the series as a whole. But then that all builds to that scene where they get to the Firefly base and... Instead of the Fedra, the, the government essentially coming and, and attacking the place, they replaced that with the mushroom zombies overrunning the place. And that's one of the things that I, I kind of liked about this. And, and I like how they showed that in the, not the making of vignettes that they do at the end, but behind the scenes sort of things they do at the end of each episode. I kind of liked what they did with Game of Thrones, but I liked how Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin both talked about how, you know, sometimes, you know, they were very attention to detail oriented when it came to doing things like the video game. But then there were times where they felt like they needed to make changes. And 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 I like that. I, I don't mind changes being made. One, especially if the change is being made by the guy that wrote the story. And, and two, if it makes sense. And, and I almost think that this scene plays out a little more powerfully if... It's the mushroom zombies overrunning this firefly base and, and what Tess does then, then the government. Uh, to me, it puts the zombies more front and center, which, which they should be. And, and I'll get to why uh, I'm afraid some people are going to turn on this show uh, because of that. But, but I like how they replace the, the military with the, the clickers or, or the mushroom zombies in, in that case. But Tess, uh, she got bitten in that museum scene. And I, I didn't really talk about her because she's only in the first couple episodes. But Tess, played by Anna Torv, I, hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right. But she's kind of Joel's love interest and she's a tough, no-nonsense. But she has a soft heart. She has a soft heart for Ellie because I think she probably sees a little bit of herself in Ellie. And she tells Joel to finish the job, to take her where they need to. And then they have that scene where she, you know, spills the fuel and has the grenades and, or, or what is the lighter? I can't remember what exa how exactly that went down, but that scene where Mushroom Zombie comes up and, and kisses her. And, and I like how they talked about that, how these, uh, these creatures, these zombies don't, past what they have along with violence it's more of a uh, it's more of a loving thing and it was just a real weird creepy way to to show that and it was it, it made for a very bizarre scene and a very eerie and an unnerving scene but i liked it and then of course she lights shit up and blows up the place which i thought was was pretty interesting but i, I like how tess she showed that 
she was able to do what it takes to survive in this new world. Another thing they introduce in this episode is the fungus connection. Now, I know in the video games, it's more about spores, and that's how it passes on mainly. Uh, they haven't touched spores yet. I think they're going to do that in season two. But I like how they introduced, and, and Druckmann and Mazin both talked about this, how they introduced that the fungus, you can step on a piece of fungus a mile away, and this through this hive mind mentality, this hive mind connection, uh, or, or web, if you will, they can tell something's going on and and not be there and, and come rushing towards uh, whatever happens to be disturbing them. And I like that aspect. It just adds another level of what you got to watch out for in this. But I think in episode two, that's where you really kind of start to see Joel and, and Ellie start to develop a little bit more of a rapport. Now, episode three is where I thought people were going to start bitching about the show because this was the first episode where we didn't really see any zombies at all. This was the Bill and Frank episode. And I didn't know as if I was going to like this episode, but I ended up really liking it because one, I'm a huge fan of Nick Offerman, uh, really enjoy him. And Murray Bartlett, I, I'm I'm familiar with some of his work. I, I haven't seen a ton of it, but I really enjoyed both of their performances. And and it's a it's a love story. It's about these two men who who meet in this apocalypse and build a life together. And and we see it go through the 20 year span from the start of the apocalypse to where we we end up when Joel and Ellie show up there and we've we find out how they end up meeting Joel and Tess and 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 the relationship and and it was really such a, a heartbreaking a tender and almost hopeful episode in some regards but then the way it ends where Frank is sick Bill kills him and you know a murder suicide thing uh Kevorkian style and it was such a heartbreaking episode that I, but I was really afraid that people were going to turn on the show because there weren't really any zombies. It was a very character centric episode and two characters that really don't have a huge role in the story. Uh, you're getting more of the backstory. Because when Bill shows up in the video game, Frank is already dead, I believe. And and I believe he dies in a slightly different way. But in the in the game, Joel and Ellie come to Bill looking for transportation. Uh, they run into clickers. There's a thing at a school, I believe. And then Bill tells Joel to leave. And that's the last we see of Bill. He doesn't die there. I don't know if he ever showed up again in the video game. I know Ellie talks about him to somebody uh, in the, the second game. But at any rate, it, it plays out a lot different in the video game. But I, I kind of like how we, instead of this kind of throwaway character being thrown away and just getting a little cameo and he's gone. Uh, they gave this character his backstory and they give you a reason to care about this character, which I thought was really interesting. They gave emotion and meaning to two characters that really didn't get much uh, time on the on the video game. Now, episode four, I, I like this. This was kind of the team building episode where Joel and Ellie start to really develop their relationship through those through that book of puns that Ellie has. But this is where they have that run in with Kathleen's group. Ellie has to shoot that guy that's trying to kill Joel. But that whole scene where she shoots the kid and and the kids you know begging for his life and ends up dying it's just it's it's all just so very jarring and and i think that is uh, one of the things that I, I like about this because it is brutal at times because in this world you have to be brutal and it it takes you out of your comfort zone uh, which i found uh, unnerving but very enjoyable as a viewer because it, it just felt all too real, I think, as to how, how things would go down. But but Kathleen's group, in, in the video game, Kathleen's group is just an obstacle in the game. But they gave this group uh, a face and a personality with the, the Kathleen character, played by Melanie Linsky, who I am a huge fan of her. I've... I, I, I had to admit to my wife that I've had a crush on her for quite some time. So if uh, Melanie Linsky comes knocking, I I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna put our marriage to a real test. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. But but I I had a I had quite a crush on her for a while after watching her in Stephen King's Rose Red. So it was it was fun to see her 
I see her pop up in, in movies and shows from time to time, but it was really fun to see her pop up in this and playing something that you don't really see her. She usually plays like a sweet, uh, maybe not innocent, but a sweet and girl next door type. But in this, she plays a badass. And I heard people complaining that she she wasn't hard enough. She wasn't tough enough sounding. But but this is what, you know, this is, uh, this is how leaders are born. They're not the toughest person. They're not the strongest person. They're not the person that looks like they just walked off of a, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. They are the people that they're the ones with the brain power. They're the ones that they're the masterminds and that's how leaders are formed. And, and you really get a sense that this, this Kathleen character, she's smart, but she's also very ruthless. And, and I liked how they, like I said, they gave this group that is more of just an obstacle in the game, gave it a life, gave it a persona, gave it a face. And when you start wondering who this Henry is that she's looking for, and we meet Henry and Sam at the end, it, it just made me, I couldn't wait till the next week to, to see what was going to happen. Then episode five, that's where we get the... Uh, Henry and Sam episode where we have Lamar Johnson playing uh, Henry Burrell. He's taking care of his younger brother, Sam, played by Kevon Woodard. And I like this because they they ended up changing uh, this character a little bit. In the in the video game, he's not deaf, but uh, in the TV series, Sam is deaf. And I, I like how they decided to do that to create just uh, another challenge for the Henry character in trying to protect his younger brother. When you take the ability of one character to hear out of the equation, that just makes it all the harder because, you know, you have to be his ears now. And I, I like that. I, I thought that was an interesting change. And the fact that they, they actually used a, a deaf actor, uh, Kevon Woodard is a, is a young deaf man and did a, a wonderful job with this character because without saying a word, just through facial expressions and, and, and his performance, you just got so much. And there was so much love and, and care between these two brothers. It just, uh, it really kind of made me feel about the relationship with my, my brother, uh, younger brothers, not quite the age difference that uh, Henry and Sam are, but uh, it just made me think about our relationship and, and what I would do or what he would do to, to protect me. And I, I just loved that dynamic. But this is where oh, things go to shit real quick because Kathleen and her group have Henry, Sam, Ellie, and Joel all kind of pinned down and they are in a section of town where it's supposed that all the mushroom zombies have been cleared out, but uh, uh, a truck or a vehicle burst through the ground. Uh, maybe there's tunnels underneath or what have you. And all of these zombies pour out and then shit just gets wild. And it's it's one of those like battle scenes, like, uh, you know, the Battle of Pelennor Fields in, in Lord of the Rings or Battle of the Bastards or, or one of the big battles on Game of Thrones where there's just people everywhere and and it's just hard to tell who's the good guy and who's the bad guy and people are dying left and right and and it was just a, and and then you've got these these characters uh Sam, Henry and Ellie kind of wandering through this as Joel's up in this tower trying to pluck off people and and zombies that are are getting in their way and it was just it was a crazy crazy episode uh just for that but then you have the moment where Kathleen is confronting Sam and, and Henry and she's about to, to kill them and this this little girl zombie comes up and just takes her out it was it was gory and eerie and 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 yeah it was it was kind of frightening how it all went down it was it was really good as far as horror goes uh, I really enjoyed that. And then the big reveal that Sam was bitten and he turns into a mushroom zombie and, and the heartbreak of Henry having to put him down and then killing himself was just, uh, that was probably one of, if not the toughest episodes to watch. Uh, next to the, the one where Ellie uh, comes across David and his group. 
The next episode, episode six, is uh, the one where we finally get uh, Ellie and Joel. They make it to Tommy's group in Jackson, Wyoming, and see how you know they are are living. They've created society once again, but you know they've got this mission to go take Ellie to the Fireflies, where she can be used as a cure. Uh, they find out the Firefly base they're going to has been abandoned. They come across those raiders. Joel kills that one raider, but ends up getting stabbed with a ball bad it, it plays out a little different in the video game i believe he falls on like uh, a piece of wrought iron or, or something like that but he still gets injured in a very similar way in the in the game as he does in the tv series it just plays out a little different similar injury different circumstances but you have that end where he collapses off the horse and you're like what the hell is ellie gonna do episode seven was another departure from the main storyline where we get the left behind episode which is a call to the expansion pack of course uh uh, Last of Us, the video game, came out in 2013. And then in 2014, they came out with this downloadable expansion pack called Left Behind. And it's essentially Ellie in there. She's looking for medicine to help Joel. But then she she flashes back to her friend Riley and taking her around this mall. And that's essentially the episode we get. We see the relationship between Ellie and her friend Riley. We get to see what they've gone through, where Riley's been gone. She comes back. Uh, she's leaving again, and she's letting Ellie know that she's never going to see her. And through this whole time, through this whole episode, you're you're waiting. My, my wife is just, she had the blanket up to her mouth. She just, she was waiting for these zombie to come out at any moment. And you kept waiting when is it going to happen? When's the zombie going to show up? And of course, the zombies does show up by the end, and we get uh, that both Ellie and and Riley were bit. And we never see how it ends, but you realize this is how Ellie was bit. Uh, this is how Ellie had the cordyceps in her, and she never turned, and how they figured out that she is uh, a possible cure for this. But the Left Behind episode, uh, it, it was really interesting. A great character episode where you get to see a little bit about who Ellie is and and why she is the way she is, why she's afraid of people leaving her. And, you know, all the people she loves have either left or died. Or, or in Riley's case, it was both. She was going to leave, and then she died. Uh, there, there again, another episode, I wasn't sure how people were going to react because you didn't get any zombies until the very end. I mean, I think that was the saving grace for that as far as the people that are only watching for the zombies. But uh, but I really liked that episode. It was, it was, like I said, a great character episode. Episode 8 was probably one of the more disturbing episodes because you have Ellie. Uh, she is trying to care for Joel. He's not doing well. She's sewn him up and she's out looking for, for food, for medicine. She comes across these two characters, David and James, and she ends up trading uh, a deer she killed for penicillin. And it turns out that this this David and James character from the same group of raiders that Joel killed the guy and ended up getting stabbed with the, the broken end of a baseball bat. And they go looking for Joel and Ellie. And there's a lot that goes on in this episode, but probably one of the most disturbing things. And this was another one of those episodes where you didn't get, a, I don't think there was a single uh, zombie in this, but Jesus Christ, you didn't need a zombie when you had the monster that is David because he is trying to convince Ellie to come and be a part of their group. You know, though he'll protect her, keep her fed, all this stuff. And then he captures her. And then he's, he's now he's like, I, I just want uh, somebody that's on my level. I want somebody to lead with me. Why don't you come be a leader? And then it changes from that to it almost like he wants her to be his wife or something like that and then by the very end uh you know you realize that he is a he's a child rapist because when he has ellie pinned to the ground he he makes a comment about how uh this is one of the best parts of it when they fight and it's just the man is is just 
horrible. I mean, you talk about monsters in this. And and I think that's one of the things The Walking Dead always did. And this is always going to get par- compared to The Walking Dead for good, bad, or, or indifferent. But one of the things that The Walking Dead has always done is that the the humans can be worse monsters than the the zombies. And and this was one of those episodes where this David character is just horrible. And and the fact that you're you're waiting this whole time because uh, before she runs off to and gets captured by David and his group, she's been giving Joel some penicillin and he's he's slowly getting better, but she smacks him awake and and gets him on his feet and in that fight or flight, the adrenaline kicks in. He's he's kind of a little more with it and and ends up uh, tracking her down. And this whole time you're waiting for Joel to come and save the day, and he's not there. I mean, he ends up saving her in in some regard at the end, but but really, she's saved herself. When it comes to David and and killing him and taking him out, she saved herself. And through this whole series up until this point, you felt like Joel is her protector. He is the one taking her to where she needs to go. Uh, she even says, I think, in several occasions that she couldn't do this without him. She couldn't make it out here on her own. And this episode proved that Ellie is a lot tougher than that. She can make it on her own. And it put, I think, her and Joel on a little more of an equal playing field and not so much a protector and protectee as as two equals, you know, both just as badass as the other and both equally able to take care of themselves and take care of each other. And I like that. Uh, you still get the father-daughter aspect that they're building, but I like the fact that they're they're more partners now than just you know some guy hauling some kid around. And then at the end, when when Joel finally she's running out of this burning building that she left David in, and Joel meets her, she's traumatized. I mean, she's been through hell through this and dealing with a guy that was going to do horrible things to her, and the fact that he's just there to to hug her and hold her and tell her it's going to be okay. And that she's safe. That, in a way, she saved herself. But in the end, he's, I think he saved her sanity at, at the very end of that episode. And it was such a powerful episode. I remember my wife and I looking at each other and being like, wow, when that whole episode was over. But then the final episode, episode nine, we get that flashback to when Ellie was born. And, and the actress that they had playing uh, this woman, Ellie's mother, Anna, uh, I, I thought she looked familiar, and I thought she looked. I I was a. I thought this was going to be a flash forward to Ellie 10, 15, 20 years down the road, and she's pregnant. Uh, no, it was a flashback to Ellie's mother because the actress they they had Ellie's mother, uh, Ashley Johnson, which uh, we'll talk about the irony there uh, a little bit later when we talk about some of the crossover actors. Uh, she she looks like an older version of Bella Ramsey. And we get this flashback to when Ellie was born. We found out that her mother was bit before Ellie was born. So the cordyceps got in her early. And that Marlene, the woman that sent Joel with Ellie in the first place, was there. That's kind of how Ellie became involved with Marlene and the Fireflies. Uh, But Marlene ends up killing Anna because Anna, you know, asked her to and asked her to take care of Ellie we get that whole setup as Joel and Ellie finally find the Firefly base where they're going to, you know, they think draw her blood and make some sort of uh, antidote or or vaccine that way. But we find out the Marlene character is willing to sacrifice Ellie to to save the world. And that's a noble thing, but that doesn't sit well with Joel. And he goes complete apeshit on that place. And we see just truly what a badass Joel is when Joel kind of takes out that whole base of fireflies and when the doctor comes at him with a scalpel saying he's not going to let him take this girl and he just blows his brains all over the wall that to me was just such a I I can't say a great scene uh just because of the subject matter uh but it was just it was impactful, I think is what I'm trying to say. And it was jarring. And to see what Joel is willing to do for somebody he loves, something that he didn't do or, or couldn't do or didn't have the skill set to do back when his daughter 
was was shot at the very first episode we see him now he's not taking any chances he's not backing down he's not letting ellie go without a fight and and it's not even a matter of he's going to die trying he is he is going to kill all these guys and he is going to save her and then we get that final showdown between joel and marlene and we see what happens there and and marlene this is showing how cold and ruthless Joel is because we keep hearing references of the things he did in that 20 year period between episode one and episode two and and just all of the horrible things he did and any innocent people he killed to survive and you see that Joel come out in this when he kills that whole base full of fireflies when Marlene is putting her gun down and he knows that if he leaves her all she's going to do is chase them and he he shoots her and kills her. It wasn't a big finale with a lot of zombies, but that's not this show. And that's not what you needed this show. This show is called The Last of Us. It's not called The Walking Dead. With a show like The Walking Dead and with the comics, the graphic novels that that was based on, you really had this expectation that it's going to be all about zombies, where this is The Last of Us. This is about Joel and Ellie's story. And it just so happens to be set in this world of a fungus zombie apocalypse. But we end this this whole uh, season with Ellie asks Joel what happened because she's been under sedation. She's getting prepared for surgery where they're going to go into her brain and essentially extract everything in her that is causing her to be immune and kill her in the process. Joel saves her and he tells her that uh, there was a, a bunch of other kids like her and that they didn't need her. They found out the antidote wasn't going to work. And raiders attacked the place and killed everyone. And and when they finally get back to the Jackson, Wyoming colony uh, where, where Tommy lives, Ellie asks Joel, are you telling me the truth? And, and Joel says, yes, I, I'm telling you the truth. And you can tell by the look on Ellie's face that she doesn't believe him. So it sets up a real interesting dynamic where he is... He has gone full on. I am a father figure to her. And he's he's talking about his daughter and how they would get along. And and Ellie's Ellie's kind of feeling distant now because she knows something happened at that Firefly base. Uh, something went down. And, and now he's lying to me about it when we were supposed to trust each other. So it really sets up an interesting uh, dynamic how this, this relationship is going to move forward in season two. Uh, I'm not familiar with the game, so I don't know where it's going to go forward in season two so i'm really excited uh maybe those who who know the game uh better than i maybe you're excited maybe you're not i don't know but it'll be interesting to see what they do going on into season two so i've really talked about the episodes and 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 what i thought of some of the scariest moments so i'm not going to really go into that uh but i did want to talk about one interesting thing was all of the crossover voice actors that they used for the video game that made appearances in this series, which I, I love that Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin had the wherewithal to, to do that as as little nods to the, the characters. And, and most of the time it is voice actors playing somebody else than they did in the in the video game, except for one character, Marley Dandridge, uh, who played Marlene in the in the TV series, also played the Marlene character, uh, Head of the Fireflies, in the video game series. So it was really kind of cool that you had this this actress, uh, Marley Dandridge, being able to play the Marlene character in both the video game and in the series, which I thought was, was really kind of cool. But I, I also liked that you saw uh, a lot of the primary characters, uh, the voice actors who voiced them in the video games, uh, showing up in the series as other characters. Uh, one of those actors was Jeffrey Pierce, who played the right-hand man of the Kathleen character when they're in, uh, was it Kansas City, I believe? But uh, Jeffrey Pierce played uh, Perry, the right-hand man of Kathleen in the TV series, but he is actually the guy that voices the character of Tommy in the video games, which I thought was kind of cool. Another character that shows up uh, a little later uh, in the scene, or actually in the episode with uh, the David character, Troy Baker played the character of James in the the episode with David, and. 
And Troy Baker is actually the voice actor who voices the Joel character in the video games, which I thought was kind of cool uh, to be able to see him. And and I, I liked some of the interviews I've seen with him where, you know, to be able to come back after voicing Joel in the game and uh, to come back and play another character and be a part of both the, the video game version of the, the Last of Us and the TV series version of The Last of Us. And he had a really gruesome death. It was in that scene where there were, uh, David and James were going to cut up Ellie for food because uh, David's group has gone, well, unknowingly cannibal. Uh, they've been eating all the dead from their group, uh, but only James and 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 David and some of the higher-ups know this, but they're about to cut up Ellie, and she takes that meat cleaver and buries it into the, uh, you know, where the neck meets the shoulder and blood and gore. Uh, that was one of the things. They, they, they don't really go hardcore with blood and gore, but they're not afraid. They don't shy away from it as well, which makes this series so great. But Troy Baker showing up as, as James after playing Joel was kind of cool. And then probably one of the biggest reveals at the last episode, when you had that flashback to Ellie being born and her mother, Anna, is played by Ashley Johnson. Of course, if you watch The Legend of Vox Machina, you know she is uh, the voice actor that plays Pike, and she's a uh, part of the Critical Role group. But but Ashley Johnson, uh, we, we talked about her and, and her bona fides uh, when it comes to all the acting. Chrissy Seaver on the Growing Pain series. Uh, but Ashley Johnson played Anna, Ellie's mother, and she actually voices Ellie in the video game series. So that was a, a super cool Easter egg to the fans to have Ashley Johnson playing Ellie's mother. And she really is kind of the, the mother of Ellie because she is the one that birthed Ellie uh, into being as far as uh, voice acting goes with the video game series. So uh, that was such a, a fantastic. And she really does look, I, I think it's kind of in the jawline. Uh, she really does look like she could have been Bella Ramsey's mother or, or Ellie's mother or an older version of Ellie, which I, which I kind of dug that the, the fact that they even, you know, these two actresses even kind of have a, a similar look. It looked like they could be related, but all in all, like I said, I, I love this series. This was uh, such a fantastic series. And, and I know there's a lot of people out there. Uh, not a lot. I, I, I should take that back. Uh, I'm going to step back away from that for a second. Not a lot, but there are some people out there that are complaining, comparing it to the walking dead that there's not enough zombies. And yeah, you don't get these mushroom zombies in every episode. But when you do, you get some really cool, creepy, scary scenes. This is not like The Walking Dead in that this, you know, The Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, there is that whole line about we are The Walking Dead from, from Rick. With The Walking Dead, there's this connotation that it is about zombies. And, and this isn't about the zombies. This is, like I said, this is the last of us. This is about the people. This isn't about the zombies. It's about relationships, uh, uh, a burgeoning father-daughter relationship, a burgeoning partnership between Joel and Ellie that uh, it's about their their relationship and the building of this relationship as they traverse this apocalyptic world. And while this is in a world where there are zombies, the zombies really aren't the focus of this. The zombies are the obstacle uh, in many scenarios, but humans are also the obstacle. It's all about survival. This is a survival series, and it's not so much about the zombies. And I don't think it should be about the zombies. Yeah, would it be cool if there were more zombies in every episode? Yeah, but you don't need that. When you've got such interesting characters and you've got such interesting scenarios and and I really love this story. It makes me want to go out and drop a few hundred bucks on a PS5 and and play the video games. Uh, I know my brother-in-law was talking about a friend of his has been after him for years to to play The Last of Us because it's such a good story. And and, and I get what he was saying to my brother-in-law for all these years. I, I get that it is a really good story. And it, it's a story that translates well from the video game to the TV, especially when you have uh, people that care, like Neil Druckmann, who is the creator of the video game series, creator of the story, writer of the story, and an integral part of this series. And and Craig Mazin, who, who really loves this series and and is integral in in bringing it accurately 
to the small screen. So if you're into The Walking Dead or you were disenfranchised by The Walking Dead because it focused more on the people than the zombies, uh, don't let that discourage you with this. Because like I said, this isn't that series. And it shouldn't be compared to that series. And you shouldn't have the same expectations that you have with this. Going in, this is The Last of Us. This is about the people and not the zombies. So I think if you look at it from that viewpoint, maybe not having zombies in every episode isn't going to bother you as much. It's like Game of Thrones was still a good fucking series, even though they didn't have a dragon in every episode. So that really leads us to what this holds for the future. Now, I know as far as the video game series goes, that there are only really two video games. There was The Last of Us. Uh, they did that add-on pack, The Last of Us Left Behind, which we got the one episode of that. Uh, they remastered the game. And they came out with The Last of Us Part Two. And, and then they re-released uh, Last of Us Part 1, kind of a remake of the original one. But there's only really the two video games, The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2. Now, I know that uh, Season 2 is going to have a lot of things that, that deal with The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, but if they're going to do this as... Uh, a series longer than two seasons. I mean, they essentially did the first game in the first season. If they do the whole game two in season two, we're going to be done after two seasons. And nobody wants that. Uh, everyone is enjoying this series. So uh, I know that they have talked about the fact that they are going to have to expand on what happens in the second game. And they're going to have to add some things. And, and I feel okay with that. Under normal circumstances, uh, I'd be really, really worried about that. I'd be really worried we'd have a, a Game of Thrones situation where Dan and Dave kind of took over after a while. And it, it felt like, we don't know because George R. R. Martin's never, never finished the series, but we, we feel like, and it feels like they decided, okay, we're going to depart from what George R. R. Martin had planned and just do what we want and do the show we want. I don't have that fear with this because, like I said, you do have Neil Druckmann who is integral in the writing and the producing of this series, and this is his baby. And while there were changes made to the story in season one of The Last of Us, they were all made with a lot of care and a lot of thought going into it. Why are we making this change? Does this change make the story better? Does this change still work within the confines of the story? And Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin have been at the heart of that. So I think if they do something in season two where they're adding stories or they're they're expanding the story, uh, I think we're in good hands because, like I said, the creator of the game is and the creator of the story that the game is based on is at the helm of this. And I don't think he's going to do anything to damage the baby that he's created. So so I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do in Season 2, how long this series is going to go in entirety. Are they, are they planning on three seasons, four seasons, five seasons? I think I heard somewhere maybe five seasons, but, I, but I'm not 100% certain on that. I think it's, it's more of a, uh, let's just see how we do and, and see if, if they're going to green light us for, for any more of these, uh, any more of these seasons, but it'll be interesting to see how they do that, how they add to the story and keep the, the fans of the show happy, keep the fans of the video game happy. And I'm really interested to see where this story goes from here, because like I said, uh, you know, they're back, they're safe, they're with Tommy, but how long is that going to last? We know in any sort of apocalypse, safety is only a fleeting thing. And you've already got uh, Joel lying to Ellie, Ellie seemingly knowing he's lied to her and how that's going to affect their relationship. Uh, very interested to see how it's, it's all going to play out uh, once we get a second season. Now, when is season two going to be? Well, that really is the million dollar question. I know that HBO has greenlit a second season on this, but as far as timetables, I'm expecting probably won't see anything till at least 2025. I imagine they're probably going to go into pre-production. They may have even already started that. Uh, probably film next year and then post-production. And then, yeah, maybe we'll see a new season in early 2025. I'm guessing probably at the earliest. Uh, I wish it wasn't that long, but you know, when you when you want quality stories and quality effects, and, and that you really got a lot of quality effects in this, the CG, the practical, 
all of it done really well. All the the practical prosthetics and things they did for the clickers and, and all the other various mushroom zombies is all just really fantastically done. Uh, all the CG works for the most part fairly seamlessly with the practical stuff that they did. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of physical, practical blood and they took the time to do this show right from the time it took to to do all the cg right to do all the practical effects right to do all the practical makeup right to the wardrobe where you have ellie wearing things that look like it was ripped right off the screen of the video game uh just a lot of attention to detail that that sort of quality takes time and i think that this uh, production uh is going to to do what they need to do and how long they need to do it to make it right for season two. So uh, hopefully it comes out sooner rather than later, but I really can't wait regardless of when we get season two of The Last of Us. So there you have it. Those are my thoughts on The Last of Us uh, season one. Just a fantastic series. Love this and uh, looking forward to more. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much, if not more than I did. I don't know how you could like it more than I did, but I, I assume anything's possible in this crazy world. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed it at least as much as I did. If you didn't enjoy it, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. But hey, to each his own. Uh, maybe give it a second watch. Uh, maybe play the video game first and then then give it a watch and, and see how you feel about it then. If all you want is mushroom zombies, just just take episode, what was it, episode five and just run it on, run it on repeat. The one where all the mushroom zombies come out of the hole in the ground. You know, that right there is worth the price of admission so if you if you like zombies but I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on the last of us you can check out more on odds bodkins curiosity shop on our facebook page uh, we're always posting trailers to to movies and series that are coming out as well as articles to all the horror fantasy and science fiction uh, that i can find i like to add my two cents as well you can also find us on Instagram, I'm trying to be a little more active on that. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please uh, subscribe to it, follow it, like it, whatever you have to do. Uh, download the episodes, share the episodes with anyone you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Help us get the word out and, and grow those numbers back up. And no matter what you do, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. That helps those uh, platforms realize that, hey, people like this. People are listening to it, and we should expose it to, to new people. So five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!